Code Story is mixed and mastered in one click with ClipGain. Make your podcast sound loud, clear, and clean in only one click with ClipGain.io. A lot of the technical debt that gets built into a, a company or into a technology, you always plan to go back and kind of redo. And then coming out of Cosmic Card, we had all these plans of like things that we wanted to change about our architecture. And so I just got to start Lolly from scratch using a lot of those plans. So that was a lot of fun, just to put right out of the gate, you know, kick it off with lessons learned. My name's Matt Center. I'm CTO and co-founder of Lolly. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labpart, and today how Matt Center created a new way to earn Bitcoin easily while you're shopping online. All this and more on Code Story. Matt Center grew up on a small farm in rural North Carolina, dreaming of being a game programmer. A dad, a husband, and musician, he keeps extra busy besides being a startup founder. After selling his prior company, Cosmic Cart, he and his co-founder wanted to make it easier for people to get into cryptocurrency. Having experience with products like Ebates, they decided to build Lolly which is a rewards program for shopping online, except the rewards are given in Bitcoin. So Lolly, pretty simply, is it's a Bitcoin rewards platform. You shop online, you get Bitcoin back on your purchases at our partner sites. So it's a, you know, kind of a traditional cashback model with a twist of you get paid in Bitcoin. So it's, you know, the whole goal of it has been to get people onboarded onto Bitcoin quickly and easily. Uh, we looked at it, Alex and I, Alex, my co-founder, Alex Edelman. We looked at how difficult it was to get our friends and family into Bitcoin. And we wanted to change that. So we decided to launch Lolly, which we figured was the easiest way to get people to just start earning Bitcoin without having to invest hard-earned money into, an, you know, purchasing it on an exchange or what have you. So they can just do something passive, you know, with what they do every day. I go shopping, I buy something online, I get Bitcoin, it just appears in this custodial wallet of mine and there's nothing else I have to do about it. I just sit on it and just watch it grow. So that's been pretty successful so far, actually really successful. And we just, you know, I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg as far as adoption goes. I feel like 2020 is gonna be a really big push for mainstream. But how I got into it, Alex and I had actually founded a company prior to this called Cosmic Cart. And um, we, uh, we sold that to a company called Pop Sugar, who was one of our customers. Eventually, um, Ebates came along and bought a Cosmic Cart from Pop Sugar, uh, along with ShopStyle, which is another product within the Pop Sugar umbrella. And uh, we became part of Ebates. And Ebates really didn't want anything to do with cryptocurrency rebates, which is fine. You know, they've got a pretty good model going there with, with regular cash. But after we left Ebates, we were just like, well, you know, we can do that with crypto. Let's do that. So yeah, we had been both playing around different ideas in crypto 
and uh, I had been working on some stuff in healthcare, just tossing around ideas. Alex is usually pretty good about monetizing things a little earlier in the process than I am. That's actually why I joined him for Cosmic Cart because I was working on something else that I didn't really know how I was going to monetize. Same thing happened this time around. I was working on something for healthcare and it was going to be like a really long-term monetization plan. And um, Nulali was something that right out of the gate we could monetize. And again, I abandoned my other idea and jumped on one with Alex and that's where we are today. Tell me about the MVP. So how long did it take to build and what sort of tools do you use to make it? My joke with Alex is two weeks. Uh, that's generally how long anything takes. So, you know, if he asks me, eh, how long will it take to add this feature? I just tell him two weeks. I mean, our original prototypes without design or anything, it, it was roughly about two weeks to a month. I built everything on Google Cloud. So not Amazon, as most people would expect to happen, but really like Google Cloud. Uh, a lot of their hosted services make it really, really easy just to get up and running really quickly. Started out trying to build it on App Engine, quickly discovered that App Engine was just a bit too rigid. Didn't let me do everything I wanted to do. But um, it was kind of cool because after coming off of Cosmic Cart, I really just took a lot of the lessons learned from building Cosmic Cart and um, started over from the point you know, we had a lot of a lot of the technical debt that gets built into a, a company or into a technology. You always plan to go back and kind of redo. And then coming out of Cosmic Card, we had all these plans of like things that we wanted to change about our architecture. And so I just got to start Lolly from scratch using a lot of those plans. So that was a lot of fun, just to put right out of the gate, you know, kick it off with lessons learned. One of the lessons was just using as many available hosted services as I could find. And Google had, you know, a lot of them. At one point I was like, hey, you know, I could really use a Redis instance. And then Google almost immediately, shortly thereafter, came out with their cloud memory store, which is their hosted Redis. And I was like, that's perfect. I don't have to spend anything up. I just connect to this and I'm done. So it saves so much time. You were looking to utilize some lessons learned of what can I not build? What's already out there? you know, that I can just take advantage of, but what sort of decisions did you have to work through in building the MVP and how did you cope with that? The main things that we've always had to keep in mind because with Cosmic Heart, we were, we did a lot of work with credit cards. So we were PCI level one compliant, had a big history in security there. And that was one of the founding principles of Lolly too, of how can we not just build this quickly, but also the most secure. So like right out of the gate, that was one of the issues I was having with App Engine, just the way I wanted to do some of the security. It just wasn't going to work the way I wanted as far as like partitioning the network. I wanted to use App Engine because I wanted to deploy quickly um, and make changes fast and just push out changes to App Engine as I made them. But what ended up happening was since it couldn't support the use case that I had, I had to learn Kubernetes, which in retrospect was amazing because I, had, I hadn't used Kubernetes prior to that. And now I don't know how I could live without it. So it took me about a week of just studying Kubernetes to replace everything I was doing on App Engine with Kubernetes. And oh my gosh, I wish I'd had that 20 years ago. You're telling me all I have to do is make a YAML file that describes my network and push it to Google, their hosted Kubernetes cluster. That's it. Every component in my network just spins up and is ready to go, configured the way I want it. That's amazing. And it's like magic. 
So, you know, that's the kind of thing 20 years ago, we have to, you know, provision our own hardware, uh, get a T1 line, so on and so forth. And, you know, just the, the dramatic change from then to now, it's just makes development so much faster. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help you grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. I use LinkedIn Jobs heavily in my business and have found many top-notch candidates through the platform. My favorite thing is that the whole thing, resume submission, workflow, communication, is all contained on LinkedIn, all in the same place. This means I have one tool to attract great talent, confirm credentials, have a chat, and give the go, no-go for launch or interview. Boom, it's that easy. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job posts in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash code story. Again, that's linkedin.com slash code story to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. How has Lolly matured and changed over time? Yeah, so it's interesting because we started rebuilding the team from Cosmic Cart. And one of the first people we started working with was a guy named Jared Giles. He was one of our architects at Cosmic and he's our director of engineering at uh, Lolly now. He contracted with us for a while there at the beginning of Lolly. And he and I work really well together, but we definitely have two different styles. And he likes to come in and get really, really optimizing with things. And that's awesome uh, because I usually focus on getting it working and getting it stable and um, just making sure that the, the main use case, the critical path is working and alternate flows, that type of thing. But uh, he comes in, he says, well, you know, you're doing too many data store queries here. Let's refine this whole process or let's change the way, you know, we're modeling this particular event so we can add more um, to the listener without having to re reach back out to the data store, so on and so forth. So, you know, that's one of the first things that happened. And I, and I really enjoy that part too of, of Jared coming in and just looking at what I've done and seeing the patient open up on the table and deciding what needs to be changed and what needs to be improved. And he's just really good at it. We work really well together, I think, in that regard. So, I mean, gosh, any number of things can have changed uh, since the beginning. I mean, the main architecture is, is still microservices architecture with asynchronous messaging and REST APIs. So that's that's the same throughout. Yeah, I don't know any specifics I could call out. I mean, I don't want to be too specific either because I don't want to expose too much of how things work. But I mean, you know, just, just generally optimizations over time. 
So how did you and your your partner build your roadmap or how do you go about that process today, figuring out what's the most important to build? So now it's a little different than it was then. So then at the beginning, it's it's just Alex and I getting really excited about one particular thing and we just spit it out and build it. It's actually been a lot of fun with this particular company because within a year, we've got so many people on board now. We'll do like every couple of months, we'll do a summit and everybody gets together in the same room because we're mostly distributed as it is. Even within North Carolina, where I've got all engineers, you know, we, we collaborate in person throughout the week, but for the most part, everybody works autonomously from home or Starbucks or wherever. So we'll all get together. Uh, Alex and the business team will come down from New York and we'll all meet up and go through, here are the issues customer service is facing, here are the issues marketing is facing, here are the issues we're facing, you know, in the realm of technical data or whatever. And then we um, look at new initiatives, like, you know, we've been pushing to get into international, into mobile, so I'll kind of put all those things on the table and say, okay, what's the, what's the most important thing right now? What are people asking for the most? And, you know, customer service has their opinion, marketing has their opinion. And then we just rank it all. And you know, since we're a small company, we can't get to all of it. So we have to be very selective about, you know, we usually come with like three different things that are become our main focus, which I might sound weird to have a focus on three different things, but I think there's enough of us to handle three different things. But I guess a lot of people don't know that we are that small. So they're, you know, they can be a little unforgiving if, if we don't roll out a particular feature fast enough. I think that's really cool about our team is we all get along so well. You know, we don't all just agree on everything, but we really like and respect each other. So, you know, if somebody has an issue about something, we know they're not just whining. It's this, this needs to be addressed because of X, Y, or Z. So how did you go about building the team? What did you look for in these people and how did you pick the winning horses? So to start with, like I said, we just started rebuilding the previous Cosmic team. Everybody was kind of keen to jump back on a project with us, which was which felt really good. So I think at this point, we've got most of that team back, which if I go back an iteration, that team for Cosmic was built really through personal networks, people that we know that know people. Honestly, that's the best way to in my opinion, to hire somebody is like, if somebody came to me and said, somebody that I respect came to me and said, Hey, you should look at so-and-so, uh, you know, I trust them implicitly. Then I'm going to entrust them implicitly with a good interview or something because somebody that I trust, trusts them. So, you know, it, it really goes back to that, you know, it's not who you know, but who knows you. So if, if somebody thinks that you'd be good for working at Lolly, and they recommend you to one of us and then we start looking at you and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's a really good fit. Then it's highly likely you would get in over somebody who just presented me with a really, really nice resume and that was about it. So a nice resume with a recommendation. I mean, I guess it sounds obvious, but that ranks you much more highly than uh, without a recommendation. Something that we always look for too is people who have done something with startups and not even necessarily a successful startup, but just something that they've worked on outside of work. So if they, if their nine to five is at IBM, cranking out code for Big Blue, when they get home, they're trying to do whatever, I don't know, yard maintenance apps or something, just, you know, something to keep their skills sharp and constantly learn new things. And that's a quality I always look for because that shows us that you have at least the desire to be entrepreneurial 
and not just sit and code because that rarely does us any good just to hire somebody that sits and codes. Totally get that. You mentioned a distributed team. How much of your team is distributed? Uh, 100%. Um, uh, the engineers and customer service were all down here in North Carolina. Uh, business, marketing, all that is up in New York. And, you know, they'll co-locate. They have a co-working space up there that they co-locate to. We have a co-working space down here that we'll co-locate to. But really, I mean, everybody's free with, you know, work from a laptop, wherever you can take your laptop. Although I did just get Drew a laptop. I totally forgot to buy him a laptop recently. Uh, <laughs> and um, he'd been stuck in his house. He's like, yeah, I looked up and it was a, a week later and I hadn't left the house. And I'm like, oh, I should get you a laptop. So, um, yeah, he was very appreciative of getting, he's one of our customer care reps. He's very appreciative of getting a laptop so that he could leave the house once in a while. Felt kind of bad about that, but it was funny in retrospect. <laughs> So you talked a little bit about scaling earlier or not necessarily directly related to scaling, but you mentioned, you know, Kubernetes, you mentioned cloud services. Did you build this from the very beginning to scale efficiently or were you totally. kind of fighting this as you grew? No, totally, totally built it for scalability because I mean, see the previous company we did was an enterprise app, like B2B, we connected publishers to retailers. So the user base, like the direct user base wasn't nearly as large as what we expected something like Lolly to be. And we built that last company to, to scale as well. So it's just something I think is very important to start with when you're planning out your architecture is how many people do I want to be using this and how soon? And that's not to say we haven't hit our own growing pains in various areas because we have, but long-term, I think the, you know, the way it's built currently is just, it's been very self-sufficient as far as, staying online <laughs> at its simplest. It's just, it's, it's been great. You know, having had a lot of experience deploying scalable architectures like that, it's worked out in our, to our advantage to be able to do that again this time around. And you don't want that kind of technical debt. We have technical debt and I, you know, I'll admit it, everybody's going to have technical debt, but in, in the scalability area, I don't think we do. You know, with Lolly, what are you most proud of? Oh, gosh. Yeah, got to be the community because it's been, since this is a consumer facing app, we've just had so much fun of building this community around Bitcoin and earning Bitcoin and bringing new people into the community. And it's just been so much fun tweeting. And, you know, we never did this before before Lolly, because like I said, the previous company was an enterprise app and not a lot of communicating with the end user in that, but I'm really proud of the, the community we've built around our product and our brand and the number of dedicated followers we've got and people who just pimp us out to their favorite brands. We've, we've actually gotten leads into other brands and retailers through our community. So partnerships are formed that way. And that's been great. Very cool. Tell me about a mistake that was made and, and how your team responded to it. Oh, man. Okay, let's see. Um, probably a lot of those. Oh, I mean, right out of the gate, we had started. So Alex and I were thinking, okay, our, our target audience is going to be people who have never had Bitcoin before. And it still is. It's still, It was then. It still is now. But so at the beginning, we, were, we just thought we would be 100% custodial wallet. And almost immediately, we got picked up by the Bitcoin community, the, the maximalists and such. And 
They're like, uh, why can't I move this off of your platform to my own address? I'm like, well, we didn't think you would want to. And it was completely <laughs> short-sighted on our part, I think. Um, and in retrospect, it just seems so obvious, but because we, we, you know, we've got that own mentality of not your keys, not your coin, but, uh, yeah, there was just no feature there for people to move their funds off of Lolly's custodial wallet to their own. And so we had to roll that out pretty quickly. It had a, it was a pretty negative response. It was really the only negative feedback we'd had post launch was, was that. So we jumped on that and rolled it out as fast as we could. And so now it's kind of a staple. People use it all the time. I'd say the majority of people still are fine with holding in custodial because I think, you know, like 40% of our users are brand new to Bitcoin. Like we gave them their first Bitcoin. So, or Satoshi's. So yeah, I don't think we've given anybody a full Bitcoin yet, but that would be awesome. Um, Soon. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen. What does the future look like for Lolly and the product and for your team? Yes, yeah, so like I mentioned before, we're going to uh, push internationally. Uh, we're working hard on Canada um, as our next step for that. It's going to kind of be our proving ground for the internationalized platform. A lot of work that goes into setting up an international, not, it's not an exchange, what was that? I don't know how to describe it, but uh, really, I mean, just an, getting retailers on board so that they not only ship to that particular country, but also will partner with us in order to reward people in, in that particular country. So there's like, there's a lot of dots to connect in, in order to make that happen just for one country. So it gets exponentially difficult as you go to all the d different countries or EU, and then there's the GDPR stuff. And so there's a number of things that we have to keep in mind for moving internationally. It's a, it's a pretty big effort on our part. And then the uh, mobile app is obviously in the works. Uh, I've seen, if you've kept up with our Twitter, you know, we've been working pretty hard on the mobile app. And because right now Lolly is, is a browser extension or you can use it without the extension just by going to the site. But uh, people are pretty adamant that we build a native mobile app. So that's, that's what we're doing. Awesome. I know there's a lot of administrative stuff with going international, but what's the, what's the biggest, you know, longest pull in the tent there to get that done? For me, I think it's probably regulation and making sure we're in, we're compliant with all of like the local privacy laws, uh, data storage laws. Just making sure all of those things are are in order because it means a lot to us. It's very important to us to be privacy and security security oriented uh, in everything we do. So you know, we we respect a lot of those those laws, even though some of them might be a little odd or overreaching. GDPR. You know, long term, yeah, it's probably better for everybody, but it puts a lot of pressure on small companies like us to have to keep up and stay compliant with. And, you know, people have built entire industries or, or an industry, entire industry has been built around people creating businesses that have to do with making sure you stay GDPR compliant, just as an example, and uh, helping you expand internationally and staying compliant with local laws. And, and especially in the area of Bitcoin, because it's such a great place, even from state to state within the United States been moving internationally everybody's kind of all the laws are trying to catch up and figure out how and what they want to do as far as regulation goes and how you qualify or your business you know do you act like a bank or are you an exchange so on and so forth and you know we are none of those things but um we just we have to be able to convince people of that and yeah it's it's super difficult to make a, a technology roadmap when it's got to be in such and so in line with like the legal roadmap and there's a lot of unknowns there without bringing in, you know, counsel to advise you. And so you're converting a lot of 
human contracts into code. And I don't know, it's fun. It's fun on the one hand, but it's also kind of annoying on the other. Who influences you from a tech person or CTO architect or even outside of tech? Who, who influences the way you work or the way you live? So my five-year-old Augie influences me quite a bit. Sure. Yeah, he's uh, no, he's uh, well. I love all, all three of my boys, but uh, he's he's pretty special. He, um, I don't know, just something about him. He's got like his little swagger. He doesn't care, you know. Even when he's talking to mom and dad, he he doesn't he doesn't care. He's just. He is him and he tries to be him and he's confident about himself. And I try to learn a lot from that because I've never been terribly self-confident, at least in the sense of my own physical presence. Like I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at, but yeah, Augie's just kind of like, this is who I am and you know, screw you if you don't like it. And yeah, I, I try to aspire to be like him. <laughs> this five-year-old kid is my role model. That's awesome. I like Augie's style. Yeah, totally. He's badass. <laughs> so with Lolly, if you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Well, like for one, I would definitely launch with the ability to <laughs> withdraw your funds to your own wallet. Um, that would be good. Let's see. I would have built shopping history sooner. That's been one complaint. I actually started, we have the same shopping history feature that we had at launch because when I launched it, I was like, well, nobody's got anything to show in their history. So we just need a bare bone shopping history. And we still have that very bare bone shopping history as of today. So I've active, actively been working on enhancing that in this past week of like getting you more detailed information about your shopping and when you shopped and how much it was uh, worth and at the time and what it converted to and so on and so forth. So um, there's a number of things that I, that I regret not doing ahead of time because when you start growing really quickly, these become really essential. And I told Alex this, you know, we need internal tools, we need internal, you know, customer support tools, we need visibility into the system. I think these are the things that a lot of people forget to build ahead of time or at least ahead of when they need them uh, because you end up using a lot of engineering time to jump down to the database and find, you know, cut a report of the data that you need for a specific question that needs to be answered on the business side. And it's like, wow, it'd be awesome if we had a dashboard that they could just go to themselves and click a button and get that particular report. And so, you know, you were always evolving and creating those new features as we go and as they come up. But, um, I think if I thought of it sooner, if I knew what questions to ask sooner, then I could have built some more internal tools to, to assist with those questions well in advance. And again, it falls back to technical debt. You know, you can only do so much at one time. So you're making the choice of do I launch today with, you know, this limited shopping history or do I launch without shopping history at all and have an internal tool for answering some reporting questions. So it's just a, the logistics when you only have one one programmer or even I mean, any number of programmers, there's only so much they can do in a particular amount of time. You're sitting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young startup person and they've got their laptop out and they just built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They just want to show it off and they're going to go take over the world. Having been down this road you know, a couple of times now, what advice would you give that person? Get a partner. So I'm assuming this person is, is probably technically inclined if they've built something. So I would say go find a business partner. I used to think that I could do 
all of it and like in all of my side projects i was always the ceo slash cto whatever you know i just found that there's so much involved in doing all of that and especially if you want to have any kind of work-life balance you've got to be able to let go of a piece of the control really and so i you know I found that with Alex and, you know, I really have no reason to, if Lolly becomes huge or doesn't, and we move on to do something else, I'd probably do it with Alex because, you know, we just know how each other works and um, he's really good at his business side of things. I'm really good at my tech side of things and we come together and produce quality products. And I think finding somebody like that is really, really important um, because they can take a huge chunk of the work off your shoulders. That and also, Dan, don't be worried about equity dilution. It's just something silly to be worried about equity dilution. Because if it's going to be something, you know, a little bit of something, anything is better than a lot of nothing. So, you know, a long time ago, I would be really worried about equity dilution, but I just don't really care about that anymore. You just focus on making it good, making it safe, get a business partner, you can take half the workload from you and then yeah, just move on from there. Well, Matt, thank you for being on Code Story. Thank you for telling the creation story of Lolly. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I can't believe it's done already. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Season two episodes are co-produced and edited by Bradley Denham. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.